What's going on? Everybody, you've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Go. I am the cartel broadcasting live from the Worth Gallery in downtown Toronto. And uh, again, here for the, not only the cardboard, but the arts on the cardboard as well. Yeah, we figured today, especially with, uh, you know, a lot of the sports card headlines being very similar to the sky is falling and prices and recession and all this jazz, that uh, it's very important to talk a little bit about art, talking about the expression of cards, you know, um, the nostalgia that comes from, I mean, not necessarily these ultra modern sets, but definitely getting into things that, um, you know, perhaps you've always been fond of. And I know that this definitely happened to me. I've mentioned this on several podcasts now where I've actually gone back and uh, to started to set collect some hockey sets from the early 90s that I found. Number one, had some players that really resonated with me. And number two, um, that I saw, I thought had really cool designs. And, uh, you know, these are, these are cards that maybe one day I, I send in for grading, maybe at a value level or something of that nature, or maybe I just keep them raw because they're beautiful as is. Um, we should also mention the fact that the new Prism 2021 set, um, which is very hype right now, and uh, mostly for pulling one of ones and and the uh, rookie quarterbacks, but they introduced a new manga type or manga subset, which uh, kind of mirrors the kaboom style <clears throat> that we've seen for several years now. And um, again, I think it goes back to like the grassroots of collecting and art, and it ties perfectly into where you are right now, Aton. Now, did you? Uh... Now, those sets that you're collecting, I feel like you are collecting out of a, not necessarily a direct nostalgia. You didn't collect those. Are these sets that you collected when you were younger? No. I mean, like, I was right. barely born. Because they were a little bit before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's funny because that was probably in the heyday of my high school collecting, that sort of thing. And um, it's very distinctive, right? And I think that, I think a lot of those elements of of 90s design which are now very popular because that tends to be the cycle every few decades we are seeing a little bit of that influence on certain you know like in the, in the hockey world i like to think uh opg platinum kind of harkens to that a little bit for example um the metal universe sets um and that sort of thing and uh that's the thing that you touched on right away which is which is the thrust of this which is that there are certain designs you know for me it's the 1987-88 opg set with that with the you know the hockey stick yeah. in baseball a lot of people will point to 87 tops regardless of the fact that they printed you know they, they printed them into oblivion the reality is that you're associating you know certain designs and artwork with a period of time in your life period of time in the culture, period of time in sports. And that's a very powerful thing, right? So there's a lot of kind of renewed uh, looking at the designs that are out there and how important they are um, and how they can affect the set, right? If you have a, a poor design, um, you may not have as much attention 
on the set. Whereas if you really hit it out of the park, you know, and, and, and in the hockey hobby, we're always keeping our eye on what the young gun sets look like. Right. And they kind of become iconic. The, the, the 16, 17 set appealed to a lot of people, for example, um, the fact that they're kind of borderless, um, all, all those kinds of elements of design. And they become more important as you look at issues like the cup and exquisite and things like that, that are a bit more ornate and everybody kind of, you know, decides whether or not they, they, they love those, those designs or not. I've seen, I've seen a lot of like reaction to the, that, that anime set that that's in the prism. The mango one? What's that? The mango one? Yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever. What is, I guess it's, I guess it's manga yeah, it's, uh, yeah. when it's printed form. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's like there, there, there's some really negative reactions and it's a little jarring at first because you're like, hey, what's your problem? It's, it's a cool concept. It's trying something different. But the I reality think, is... I think the negative reactions come from the fact that like anytime there's a new set or a subset uh, of a new product specifically, the prices on those tend to be either really shilled or uh, really kind of misguided. Do you know what I mean? And I say this well, like- are they, are they, I'm assuming they're short printed, right? Yeah, so I, I believe that their case hits much like the Kabooms are, except for Prism. Um, and so it's like the first like like Prism case hit that, that's like these mangas now, right? Um, right and I assume yeah. that they're probably gonna continue to print these um, you know, in future Prism sets. Uh, but I think ultimately it comes down to the, I think that there was the reason why there was like some some ill will in in the hobby towards them is because I think the Tom Brady was going for like fifteen thousand dollars upon release. Yeah, and, and that's so that's unfortunate. That works against it right away. But the reality is, there's just some people that don't appreciate a good crossover. I mean, these are all elements of collecting of of uh, of fan enthusiasm. Uh, and different, you know, hobbies and passions, right? So when you tend to meld them, I think there's some people who appreciate that and find that to be interesting. And there's some people who say, listen, if I'm in cards, I'm in cards. And well, it even when, when we, I mean, if we look at like the tops, uh, 2020 project, was it? Right. Yeah. Um, which was that, widely appealing. It was very appealing. Like as much as the cards were going for a lot of money, I think a lot of people genuinely just like the designs of so many of the, of the, the, the prints. And, and that's probably why a lot of them skyrocketed the way they did. Now, obviously they didn't stay there because they were printed in mass quantities. And I mean, uh, people, they, they wanted out as soon as like a certain price hit uh, its ceiling um, but it, it was it was very interesting. And even in the early stages of the sports card uh, boom, you know, in like nine, uh, 2019, 2020, specifically 2020, the amount of card artists that emerged and we talked about this many times and we had a lot of them on our shows. Um, right. You know, we talk about Card Killer. We talk about Donnie B. Shout out to both of those. Um, you know, Kev's cards is still killing it. There's a lot of art in the card collecting community like inherently right so yeah yeah project 2020 got you know tied up in that in the boom and uh, and it, it, it became one of those scenarios where while there were plenty of people collecting it who were appreciating the artists involved because it again that's classic crossover right you're taking 
street artists and uh, people that already have their reputations and their fan base. And then you're combining it with sports, which is a no brainer. Um, and man, it produced so many great pieces. I remember when it was happening, when I would reach out to some of the artists on social media um, that you were purchasing, you know, these items from, um, they were very accessible and very appreciative. And it was a, it was an exciting project for everybody involved, but it was really tied into this investment boom. Um, yeah. Everybody knows just that is a perfect example of, you know, and it was not, I'm not going to call it a pump and dump because it was organic. It was yeah. people were creating that scenario themselves, yeah. right? Uh, with the out, out, outlandish prices early on, mind you, when it started, they were pretty limited compared to what the print runs eventually became. It was the famous Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, what was the gentleman's name? Something Shore. Um, I don't, the, the, I don't. the famous Griffey that really broke the printing presses and kind of flopped the whole deal, so to speak. But uh, yeah, and as you mentioned, and it's a bit of a separate thing. I was, I was obviously gonna. I, I always take an opportunity to shout out Donnie B and yeah, and Hard Killer uh, LJ Cards, I believe it is. I mean, there's even guys that will will print out. Now those are guys taking elements, multimedia elements, so to speak, because they're cutting up cards and other. Um, you know, uh, fabric and yeah. other designs to put together. Whereas there are people like Phantom Cardboard who are literally printing reimaginations using classic designs uh, from the 80s, from tops, and applying it to musicians or pop, pop culture icons. And that, that stuff is all really cool. And it's very cool that we have access to that sort of thing. Um, and again, it appeals to people on different levels. There are people that are really into it. There's some people that dismiss it, uh, don't see the interesting elements to it. Um, but yeah, that's that's really started blowing up with Tops Project 2020. And then you stopped and you really started thinking about what goes into a card and the design. I mean, when we look at the new Upper Deck Young Guns and all these, you know, all these uh, recurring themes in, in Young Guns cards, uh, I'm not super impressed with the design. Me neither, but, really. But the funny thing is, I mean, another artistic element in the world of cards is the photography. That's what Upper Deck really kind of revolutionized back in 89 when, when they got into the game. You never saw that type of emphasis on cool photography, um, double and triple exposure, for example, um, catching players in all of these weird unique situations there are pro set cards where players are hunting or rollerblading or this that or the other thing and that was something that really started popping in the 90s it was a very cultural kind of element yeah. in the 90s anyway which yeah. was appealing to people but you know when you look at a new young guns card you look at the design the borderless designs it really emphasizes the photograph and that's what they really have to rely on and and these, a lot of them hit the nail on the head and, and then the card becomes iconic. The, the pose that Connor McDavid's in, Austin Matthews is in it on his, on his rookie card. These are memorable. People remember them. They're great photography. And the actual Young Guns design kind of falls to the wayside. I'm really struggling in my head. You know, in 1718, that had a border, right? So borders are very rare. 1819 yeah. kind of had a bit of a border. But I struggle to think of like, the designs that were really exceptional. A lot of them are minimalistic. For young guns, I mean, they're yeah. For young guns, I like um, I, I like the O fives, man. I like O five, O six. Sure, I like. Yeah, I think I think that's an iconic set. I also um, what's Zetterberg O two? 
0203 is that very white. Yeah. Now that was very conceptual. That was, that was unique. That was yeah. very unique. The players in a white background and then yeah, there's yeah, all yeah. this stuff. Going on. And that was almost like a connection from nineties to the knots in terms of graphic design. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really seen a lot of that since then. Yeah. When you think about it, the, the Malkin year was one of those years where it was very much the photograph, very minimalistic design. Yes. Um, you know, but we did see, you know, 13, 14, 14, 15, it was about the Young Guns logo itself kind of evolving. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, I find it interesting that the, that 0506 is such an iconic set. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. I find it so interesting that 0506 as, as a whole, well, like Series 1, Series 2, if you look at the checklist, mm -hmm. I mean, there are countless Hall of Famers and not just like Hall of Famers, like guys that will probably stand the test of time in the sport. I mean, we think yeah. of like Henrik Lundqvist, um, Ovechkin, yeah. Crosby. Uh, I mean, Getzlav changed, like, I mean, basically created the Anaheim Ducks. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you look at that design and they've reprinted the, those cards or that right. type of design recently, and it wasn't well received. 2021 uh, series or uh, extended had the retro Young Guns in it. And right. I myself thought that those cards were beautiful. I, the, the mm -hmm. photography was, uh, was like action shots. Right. Um, I mean, Kirill Kaprasov is, is like skating up ice. You know what I mean? Like uh, I found the photography on those exceptional. And I mean, it, it tied back into an iconic design. And I, I just, I remember opening that product and thinking, wow, these cards are beautiful. And for some reason, they just never caught. And I actually wanted to tie this into something I saw recently is Kale McCarr's future watch autograph is, I mean, the, the card prices are exponential right now. However, there is a considerable difference between his, his uh, future watch, the conventional one out of nine 99 um, in the sense that it is significantly higher than the retro future watch. That's numbered out of three 99. And yeah, if, I, just, I just commented on that post, actually. From, that's funny. Uh, is that hockey card gong show? I, yeah, I oh, know. yeah, dude. Uh, they've been throwing some unreal, unreal content down. And um, I, it's, it's interesting because, number one, um, it's significantly shorter printed. So, like, you know, for the people who are listening and don't necessarily collect hockey and maybe they want to dabble, um, you know, Generally speaking, you go for the shorter printed cards, right? Like, I mean, that's where we're being told right now. It's like to go for the shorter printed cards. However, because it's not the, the conventional design, because it's not the conventional set, mm -hmm. uh, you're seeing a pretty big discrepancy in price between the two. Yeah, and uh, that ties into a few things that we were talking about. But by the way, in terms of the, you mentioned the extended set. Yeah. And the extended set, I don't know, man, there may be eventually be a return to taking a look at that set. It seems to be the uh, redheaded stepchild, as they say, of, uh, of that year's releases because of the fact that you can find it right now at your local store for next to nothing for a hobby box. Um, but they, they used classic designs from years gone by on the inserts. And then the retro set was 05, 06, like you said. That might be a sleeper uh, that people will return to. Um, there are like designs like UD3 uh, 
holographics, FX, whatever that is, uh, SPX, classics from years gone by. Um, people might go back to that. It's just it was a late release. There aren't any huge rookie hits. I think um, I think Bunting. I think it was Cal. I think it was Kaliev. Yeah, Kaliev and Bunting. I think. Yeah, but extended, he, Bunting at but, the time wasn't a hit, though. Do you know what I mean? Like. Right. Yeah. No. That 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 set may be one worth reinvestigating, and uh, I'd say you know you're, you're finding it at your LCS for 70, 80 bucks. It's a fun rip. Yeah. Just because of the parallels, right? And there's also there are these other SP the parallels. Ass, too. They have the ass, the young gun uh, acetate as well. Like are there the, oh right yeah are there like the ret- retro acetates in it i think man yeah i mean retro acetate used to be you know the 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 series one of the series two easter eggs they put in a lot of easter eggs they're doing it this year too um but as you mentioned i got into that conversation not really because i'm someone who prefers the young gun i do like a good autograph rookie that's serially numbered uh future watch designs by the way are very consistent uh 0506 is classic it's like a portrait like they're in a circle yeah and it's the and the reason why they're so simple and white background and the concept is so similar is is for the autograph and they yeah. did a really they've done a great job in that sense yeah but it's it's interesting how every year it's it's almost like they almost look the same there's just very small differences in the design i find um, mckinnon's year 2013 there's really no place for the autograph it's kind of it's kind of an awkward card to be honest yeah i'm trying to uh i'm trying to I'm trying to picture that because I don't have a lot of those. Uh, it's, uh, see if I can pull. I might have it's it here. This is Huberto, right? So I can picture it because I because of my Panthers, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it depends on how, how much space they give. But the, regardless, it's always a nice background to have an autograph on. Yeah. Um, and that's another crossover thing, right? Because there are people who collect cards and there's people who collect autographs. Um, some people don't wrap around their head in terms of the combination. Uh, so like, so if you are just like, I want to collect cardboard and rookie cards, and that's what I grew up with. You're looking at young guns, um, the slabbed card. Okay. Slabs are a big thing right now. People are yeah. collecting. Them. So it's slab versus raw. Once you start to slab the future watch cards and the price starts heading up, that's a consideration. So he was, he was directly comparing a raw future watch and a slab young gun. And so when yeah. I threw my, my voice into the conversation, it was about the fact that a lot of people like a slapped card, a lot of people like a, a classic card, as opposed to a piece of autograph, uh, a, a, a piece of memorabilia or an autograph on the card, which they may separate in their mind. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I prefer the future watch, but uh, you know, just trying to come up with ideas as to why that may be. Right. And, and what are your thoughts on like the retro future watches? Because I mean, even if you look at other key guys from the set, Jack Hughes as well is another one where his future watch versus the retro future watch, the discrepancy is massive. Yeah. You know, they're just, yeah, they never caught on. Yeah. But, but that to me, that's, that to me is a simple explanation. Sorry if my uh, camera is shaking here. That to me is a simpler explanation because that is when you're looking at like a classic collecting mindset, you want the rookie. It's so extreme in hockey collecting that, you, when you look at cup, for example, there are all these gold parallels that are really low numbered. I've pointed this out to you. I was like, how is it possible that you can get like an out of 20, like yeah, gold autograph kind of, cup that's all cheaper the, than to, the out of 199 version? They're numbered to the jersey numbers. And um, again, it's a gold parallel. So that is not the quote unquote real rookie card. 
And a lot of, and I actually appreciate that, that intense collector's mindset where they want the real rookie card. And that's what, that's, what's going on with the retros, but here's the reality. Look, it, it gives a, a wonderful option for people who appreciate that, you know? Yeah. And uh, you know, in the case of getting a, a parallel of some of the top guys, um, which are pricey, it's kind of the realm of the collector that does have a good amount of extra spending cash, uh, uh, expendable cash, so to speak. And you'll, so you'll see that in a lot of PCs. Um, but again, uh, we don't know, like 10 years from now, looking back on these retro, uh, you know, and they do it for the patches too, right? They do the retro yeah. SP. Yeah. Um, those are things people might go back to. We don't I know, love, you know, like, I love the exquisite, the exquisite retros. I think they're just so nice looking. I don't like, cause they, they look yeah. like the, uh, the 04 uh, exquisite, like upper deck stuff, man. Like it looks right. like LeBron James rookie year stuff. Like I'm like, yeah. this is killer. It's beautiful design. I mean, yeah, it appeals to certain collecting subsets. I mean, it is like the company saying like, we believe that this is iconic, you know, because we not, not everybody loves, for example, all the different, um, cup designs. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I can name a few years where the designs kind of meh. Right. But, uh, but regardless of whether it's good design or not, you're going to associate it with your, you might be associating with that year's rookie class with stuff that was going on in hockey at the time or in your own world. And that becomes tremendously appealing to you. Like a set, I don't, I don't like talking about it too much, but a set that I really love is the emotion set that Skybox, I believe, produced uh, in the late 90s. And it became controversial because there was actually um, one card. Oh, I wish, I, I think it was Gagne. I think it was Dave Gagne. And so what it would do is it would, it would, it would, it would have like a word like intense or focus um, next to the player. And it was all about facial photography. Yeah. And Gagne had like, he was really wide eyed and it said crazed down the side. Like he was crazed on the ice. And that became controversial at the time. Really? There were sensitivities even in the late nineties. And, People thought that it was inappropriate to call him crazy, essentially. Um, but they came in these packs that looked more like a deck of cards, like a very thick pack. I was in love with it as a kid. Um, just the way they presented it, the photography, and, and what an amazing design. Uh, the lettering is kind of subtle yeah. and faded into the background. Um, and I think there's, there's a, there's a slab Patrick law on eBay, unless someone's grabbed it already. It's not the most popular set. I, I just, for me, I associate it with a multitude of personal things I'm not going to get into right now, but it certainly represents a period of time in my life. And, uh, that's a huge thing, man. People will, people have those feelings with cards, with baseball cards, hockey cards, doesn't matter what it is. Um, there's some strong emotional connections. If you look at a lot of the cards that are setting all-time highs right now, they are cards that, um, and not, not just in the hockey market, but I'm seeing it specifically in the hockey market. Uh, at least mm -hmm. like that's kind of what I've been paying attention to over the course of the last few weeks. They're all cards that uh, serious collectors and serious set collectors are into. Like we're talking about like the, the uh, SPX uh, essentials, uh, you know, maybe a subset that most, most people don't even know about if they just collect traditional upper deck product, like, uh, right. like uh, series one and series two, et cetera. Uh, 
also we're talking about like uh, uh, mirror mirror platinums even you know like yes, I'm seeing absolutely. a lot of very niche cards very generational right you know a generation comes to the fore has money starts to kind of uh, dominate the market and they're star, going back. star rubies okay. have been popping off lately too you know what I mean like another mm -hmm. iconic uh, a subset or or insert. Yeah. And, and also, you know, thinking back to all these companies that are not around anymore that, that were, and, and that's a thing because how many years have we been in an upper deck dominated market and you do kind of yearn for the selection that we used to have some of those tops early OO releases, they strike a chord with me. Um, I got really upset at a friend of ours on IG who does a lot of story sales um, because he put up this Kovalchuk autograph from stadium club that I would have loved to have owned and uh, just missed it. Uh, but yeah, those, those are fantastic. And it was like, it was about having the, the, the different options and therefore a lot more of a variety in the design. And, and, and that, I mean, that breeds, you know, that breeds creativity as opposed to a monopoly. And I think we're all really very aware of that right now. So right. you mentioned the, the variety, um, you know, I don't often shout out sports card investor, but, uh, th there was a video on the market movers channel. And I don't know what the gentleman's name is, um, that, that runs that channel or, or made the video, but he talked very much about the number of, and it was a, it was a basketball focused video mainly. We talked very much about how over the years there were, you know, for instance, Gary Payton had four rookie cards, like from four different sets. Do you know what I mean? Like right. Michael yes. Jordan had, I think it was like 12. Kobe Bryant had, I think like 90 or something. Don't quote me. I, I, I can I'll drop the video in the comment section. Um, but then you go to Zion Williamson and he has 2019 different rookie cards between yeah, like the inserts between yeah, the subsets between the brand new releases and so i mean it's interesting and it's per a perfect segue i think when you're talking about variety you know i think in this day and age we've actually gone the complete opposite direction not necessarily in hockey because i mean like you mentioned alberta has a monopoly we've actually kind of had a scarce amount of product quite frankly um there are still a, a, a lot of releases between like stature and um, you know, like those uh, those box sets and they, there's, there's a decent amount of like, if you wanted a Kirill Kaprasov rookie card, there are a decent number of different varieties and parallels that you can acquire. Yeah. Especially um, when you start getting into the parallels. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But um, you know, it's, to get to a point where now we're at like 2019 for one single player, uh, it's just, it's really hard to distinguish which sets are going to really resonate moving forward, specifically with the ultra modern like players. Yeah. That that's, that's the big, uh, that's the big discussion is what, what's going to stand out. Ephis pitch, another friend of ours in the podcast uh, talks a lot about that. You know, when, it, when I was younger and we were looking at rookie cards, it was cool because it would be very singular. Like, this is the rookie card. Yes. Um, and then with hockey, you know, 1990 rolls around and now you have a few options. 
even in baseball in the eighties, even though there'd be like a tops rookie, a Fleer rookie and a Donruss rookie, you'd even give credence to, for example, the extended rookies that were coming out rookie and traded sets, which would become very appealing because they weren't, they weren't released the traditional way through packs. Um, and that was cool. And it was always like doable. It was always trackable. It wasn't out of control. Like, like I, no one who would want to sit there and try to track every single Zion release. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that started happening in the nineties. I yeah. remember because I was collecting Vince Carter cards and that was still in that era where you were going back to the classic guys, like, cause they were still playing and you were collecting the rookie, especially in basketball. It's like, there's one rookie, like you're, you're looking for one David Robinson rookie. You're looking for one, uh, um, who is the pacer that I'm trying to remember right now? Reggie the, Miller. Reggie Miller rookie card, right? So and that's what I, I and that's why I think the birth of I mean that's definitely why the birth of inserts and and different varieties and subsets actually became a thing, much like just like you were mentioning in the '90s. But because in the '80s and like like early '90s, it was all like like single rookie. Like this is his rookie card. We're gonna print X number of them, and like like there's nothing that really differentiates your rookie card from mine. It's also right. why I think it was really easy in a Beckett magazine to price something. Do you know what right. I mean? Because yeah, like yeah. we all basically have the same card, and condition sensitivity wasn't wasn't really like a, a big thing, right? Like I mean, it wasn't like no one was. I'm sure no one was out there complaining about quality control or centering. Or not, not until, yeah, not until slabbing came around. Right. right? Um, you know, but again, just like uh, as an example, I love using the Vince Carter example because that's when I first started collecting these multiple rookie cards. Yeah. And then, then it was all about like, okay, the designs, the different designs that were available. Okay. Maybe a showcase was not a great design as, as compared to finest, which had the big foot coming forward. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, the tops chrome became very iconic right away, even from first release in the late nineties. Um, there were acetate rookie cards that I'm trying to remember EXL um, and some other ones um, and the inserts like the Duncan go nuts and, and things like that. So yeah, that, I, and even that was still somewhat manageable, but then you just saw this explosion where when Panini and tops in the tens and twenties decided they were going to be making tons of sets, tons of subsets, ten, tons of insert sets. Um, well, they, they took they took inserts and they made entire sets of them. Do you know what I mean? Right. I found Chronicles to be interesting uh, from Panini because uh, they would go back to these classic designs and whatever that one set that has the wrapper in the background. It's so uninteresting to me, but uh, uh, what was that one? Key, key Glock. What's that? It's like Key Glock, the John Morant rookie card you're talking about. Yeah, but what was the name? What was the set? What was the type? Chronicles. Right. No, but it was a, but, but it was in Chronicles, but each one had a name though. I don't, I don't remember. But, but I liked that one because it was just borderless and simple and the photography was great. And I thought that might be a hit regardless of who's in the background, but um, some of them looked really nice. Um, and that, that, that was interesting. Um, but uh, you know, you figured after 2020 tops project that there'd be new, you know, kind of, kind of designs and concepts coming from like fresh blood coming into the hobby potentially right because not not like it's talked about we know we know uh carwin whatever his name is uh see i mean i don't even fully know his name and i used to call him carvel 
which yeah. is a delicious, which is a delicious ice cream cake. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty sure his name is Carwin. Uh, and he's on IG. Um, and uh, he was like the designer of uh, Exquisite and uh, Potential. It's like who 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 designed the cup? Like we should know this. We should know, know this. We should give we should give respect to the the designers. We, de- and we artists. definitely should. But I would imagine like a lot of times it's just the same in-house group for tops, upper deck, et cetera. And you would think that could be like a great marketing viability is like, we've got this artist that he's doing this. And he's not just doing like this set. We're just going to pull out of our, out of our butt uh, for this year. He's doing a classic set. Like we've got this artist doing this year's SP authentic. We've got this artist doing this year's upper deck. Yeah. Uh, It's like, I'm sure that there might be a backlash if the design isn't good and you might suffer the consequences and it might really hurt the product but it's just an interesting concept i i agree with you because they put like like aoki collection and ben baller on on products right like yeah that's a good example but again those were just like very no no no, i know but i'm saying so why not like pay like pay tribute to some of the the actual designers and like like not necessarily put their name on the set, but like advertise like, you know, this yeah, is yeah. from that they created these sets. Like yeah. we've got this person on this set. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Aoki design actually. And I bought some of that set. It's actually really nice. The, the Ben Baller, he was essentially just accentuating and um, adding his. And like there was strokes. just like, there was like shivs wow. everywhere though. Yeah, but it was it, it was just uh, it was the same as the 2020 Chrome. Yeah. It was just he was accentuating it kind of thing. Yeah. That one I don't know, but I mean, from what I recall, I like the Ioki set. I just I hate the fact that there's like Ioki in big letters on the card. Like if they just put it like at the back, I think it would have they would have been beautiful. It's, on, it's not on all the it's not on the front of all the cards. On, at least for the soccer stuff, it is. Yeah, not not the baseball. It's just the design on the front, and it does say like Aoki X tops on the back or something. But the uh, what I was saying um, about the Ben Baller stuff, which he was just accentuating an, an existing uh, design, uh, people seem to like it. I, I haven't checked it lately, like now that the market uh, for some of that stuff's been tanking, but uh, at the time, people really liked it, respected it. We were short printed, it was popular. Um, but those are just interesting concepts I think would continue and that we'll see more of potentially. Yeah. Right. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, having, let's say, 2,000 variations of a player's rookie card, like, mm-hmm. even if you have, like, an out of 10 or out of 50 or out of 75 or out of 99 version of one of the lesser prominent sets, like, yes. like is it still worth holding? Do you know what I mean? Like, like th- does that make sense? Well, yeah, it's gonna. That's gonna be. I'm um, just moving around here a little yeah, bit, yeah. by me. But that's going to be what we see over the next little while is going to be people making decisions about what is worth picking up. Um, that whole process is going to be interesting. It is going to be uh, interesting because, like, just because something is. I mean, we basically been conditioned that over the course of the last three years, if something's short printed, then like buy, buy, buy. Doesn't really matter what set it is. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. Right. Um, as long as it's short printed, uh, I say no base, no base, but I'll take anything like numbered. Um, and, and then, you know, now we're getting to a point where we're, we're really starting to hammer out, you know, what is truly valuable aside from the, the serial numbering, because I mean, I'll talk yes. to the, the top Chrome champions league set this year 
has like three times the print run as of last year, but also like significantly more parallels. So like for each like different subset of parallels, you have like an, an out of 50 or an, uh, like a number to 50, a number to 15, a number to five, a number to eight, seven, 12. Do you know what I mean? So there's just so many and of course, those are shorter printed, but there's just so many of even the shorter printed stuff. It's just not like scarce, scarce. Yeah. So overall scarcity is going to be an element people are going to be looking at. Maybe they're going to prefer something that doesn't have a ton of different perils. And like we've been talking about, maybe design is going to become important. Yeah. Um, maybe someone will like this one particular Chronicles release, or maybe someone will like this particular lesser hockey release that isn't one of the you know big three which is like the base uh sp and cup yeah um who knows but that's what's going to be interesting to see how that hashes out it's not that you know people are just going to say oh i don't want to collect sign or whoever it is yeah, yeah because yeah. he has so many rookies yeah they're going to be like we have to choose which is which and I, I, another interesting one was you know especially for you uh currently collecting kobe was the fact that the finest used to be the one right yeah. And now it's the Chrome. Yeah. So who knows how that all hashes out? I mean, maybe, I mean, hockey is an interesting one because we are so stubborn and we are, we, we do like the classics. Um, so Young Guns is persevering for now. Um, but who knows? Uh, maybe there will be a little bit more credence to some of these other releases. I feel like Platinum is underappreciated right now. It's, uh, it's, it is interesting because I, I, I just think, this is where, I mean, if you, anyone can make money during a bull market of, of any, of any type of asset class, right? Um, not only that, but you need to be learning in this market. You can't just like, you can't just be endlessly buying. You can't just be endlessly selling. You need to be learning. And I think over the course of the next few years, because I still think that sports cards are, are going to, I mean, even get potentially bigger than they were during the boom. Um, I just, the maturation needs to be there. And I truly think that I, from the feeds that I'm seeing, or maybe they're just personalized to me, but I see a lot more people posting PC stuff, whether that be mm -hmm. in, in football, like collecting like uh, an O-lineman, which is like traditionally like, oh, like you don't buy like guys, guys on the defensive end. Um, or, you know, I've seen a lot of wide receiver posts lately, like Randy Moss getting some love. And I mean, even like older dudes like uh, Brett Favre, um, I I'm seeing a lot of, of niche collecting going on. And with niche collecting comes a lot of research about similar sets and sets that people don't traditionally talk about because they want something that the everyday person doesn't have. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and nostalgia in collecting comes in waves generationally, right? So that's, that's something anyone, you know, being smart about uh, checking, uh, checking out investments and, and that sort of thing keeps an eye on because um, it comes in waves in terms of what's popular and what people are going to reminisce about, want to pick up, whether it's the player or like we're talking about, whether it's the design, whether it's the set itself. Or the era, the period of time. I mean, the boom era is going to have some things coming out of it. Um, you know, 1990s, they printed a ton of the, the upper deck score and OPG premier stuff. 
but you saw the boom in OPG premiere stuff not long ago. Um, regardless of how much was printed, people have a connection yeah. with it. Um, I still think personally, you know, even though there's been this wave that everything's been seeing, that we've been seeing with everything in the hobby, the Brodeur and Lindros score rookie cards, which represent the only real rookie cards for these guys um, at the time. There's all these other cards that they call quote unquote rookie yeah. cards, but really it's a unique situation. Those are their only rookie cards. Yeah. And uh, I think they're under underappreciated and are undervalued at the moment. I mean, um, I think 90s hockey in general is stupid cheap considering like we're talking legacy players um that potentially changed franchises in some cases um and i mean their their cards can still be bought for like five six seven eight dollars and the pop pop reports are super low across the board bgs sgc and psa because people weren't grading those back in the day right and um because grading really wasn't a thing. So I think, I think that's a very, very, very interesting sector. Absolutely. With that said, Coach Co, uh, my time is coming to an end here. We've had a really interesting conversation on something that pertains to the actual collecting of cards, uh, which, is, which is good to do uh, every once in a while uh, with all the hot topics lately being, uh, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, of a bit more of a negative nature due yeah. to the economics of the hobby. But like I've mentioned a lot on my stories recently on IG, the hockey hobby is generally a happy, healthy hobby. I don't feel we're seeing a lot of the swings um, that you are seeing in some of the other sports. So always good to discuss the collecting aspects because it's what drives it. Yeah, I really do believe that in, in the hockey sector, especially that is what drives it. Yeah, I agree with that, you, man. That, that and screaming children. That I love it. Cool. I mean, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe happy fathers, you know, to you. <laughs> it's not my child. That's, that's, Let's make that clear. That's that, that, that is not pro or cartels screaming baby. But it's, some, it's some fathers. Oh, I love it. God bless him. I was like, oh, man, he's going to this uh, announcement on the show. Team, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening to this uh, this hobby love podcast. I uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Cardboard coaches are out. Peace.